0: If I have ever made any valuable discoveries, it has been owing more to patient attention than to any other talent. Sir Isaac Newton. At some point, all of us have heard the story of Isaac Newton and the apple. Now, we don't actually know if the apple hit his head, but we do know that Newton's observation and curiosity led to a formal definition of the law of gravity which went on to influence the entire field of physics and our understanding of the universe. Not bad for an apple falling to the ground. In our own lives, there are countless everyday moments we tend to take for granted. Plenty of relationships where we skim the surface, and far too many serendipities and curiosities that go unnoticed. Because we get so locked in, we fail to notice what's happening around us. Today on Doorward Thinking, We start our series on Discovery Mindset, or the set of conditions and priorities that help us to discover and change the world. Time to protect your head from falling fruit and get those Doorward Thinking caps on. Let's get started. Welcome to the official start of Season 3, everyone. My name is Nate LeBlanc, and this is Doorward Thinking. Today, I'm in the brand new DoorWard studio with the rest of our team. With me here in St. Louis, my friend, Daniel Jacob Eisen, a.k.a. Jake. Welcome to the show, Jake.
1: Hey, Nate. Great to be here, man. Excited for the season.
0: Doesn't it look nice?
1: Oh, man. It's, it's, it's exciting. It's so cool.
0: And joining us today from Cleveland, Peter Costanzo. Welcome to the show, Pete.
2: Thanks, Nate. It's always your pleasure. Wait, I mean, it's always a pleasure.
0: It is a pleasure for me. I hope it's one for you. I hope we're not dragging you through the mud each time we do this.
2: <laughs> no way. I love being here.
1: And he loves being dragged through the mud, too.
0: to know Enjoying some mud on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, there we go. And making his doorward-thinking debut, new team member, maybe gets dragged on the ice sometimes, Dominic Dutero. Welcome to the show, Dom. <laughs>
3: Thanks, mate. Happy to be here.
0: Good to have you, buddy. So, I've got something to complain about really quick. I have been stung by bees twice, almost three times in the last two days. (laughs) I kid you not. Once in the armpit.
1: (laughs) Okay. Ouch, man. That's the worst place I can think of.
0: Yeah. And, okay, it wasn't a bee because it, like, double stung me. So, I have one, like, on the arm, like, pit on my chest wall and then on my actual arm. Yeah. But they, like, match up perfectly it's like you know what yeah it's wild and then again on my ankle right after that
1: that was a python not a bee oh man i'm sorry to hear uh so so
0: it's just like mm, you you know that feeling when you get stung by a bee it doesn't go away for a while and but it wasn't a bee though we'll see what the venom report says
1: did you get a venom report no okay i should (laughs) toxicology
0: yeah um but yeah any uh what's been going on in your guys neck of the woods out in cleveland
2: We've also been dealing with some bees, not getting stung quite as frequently, but um, about once a week up here, get some yellow jackets in the ground. Um, and then if you try to cut the grass during the day, they don't, you know, that's like fighting words basically. So you got to sprint with the lawnmower. Um, and I saw some black hornets swirling around inside the garage today and actually flew and crawled inside a hole in my clay tile in the garage so they're probably building an army in there as we speak but oh, um man. yeah i thought bees were supposed to be like going extinct right wasn't that like a whole thing like a global warming is like killing all the bees it like they're doing pretty good they're tearing nate up down there they got they got me cornered up here hopefully dominic but these thriving. aren't bees
1: we're just we're proving the point that, that the good bees are being decimated, and the things that we don't want the hornets and the yellow jackets they're thriving. Man, these guys are going wild on both of y'all. You're next, buddy. Watch out.
2: Dominic just marked himself safe from killer bees. Yeah, I've been lucky to evade them so far.
1: What are those things the killer killer hornets? Murder hornets. Mur- murder hornets. That's yeah. right. Murder, murder, Whatever murder hornets. Whatever happened to the right. murder hornets?
0: I think I saw one one time. That thing was massive. Oh. But that was the. Uh, maybe I was hallucinating.
1: Amazing. Oh.
0: Anyway, we have a lot of nature analogies to get to today. Well, uh, so how about we hop right into it?
2: I thought that was like another one hopped into it, bunny in nature. I, I, I it. saw I
0: saw it. I got I, your back. I love it. Okay. So today we're beginning our series on cultivating a discovery mindset. And for the time being, at least, I'm defining discovery mindset as the set of conditions and priorities that help us to discover and change the world. Go back and listen to our preview of this topic for a little bit more background. My esteemed team members are here to challenge that definition as iron sharpens iron. And I guess in a way, we're discovering what discovery mindset is, which is appropriate. So in preparation for this series, I sent everybody here a TED Talk given by musician and host of the podcast Song Exploder, Rishikesh Hirwe. The premise of Song Exploder is to delve deep into each layer of sounds and talk to musicians about the meanings of their songs. In the process, he found that conversations, just like songs, were full of nuanced meanings and layers. He realized that just as he was being curious and asking questions about the music, he could ask people those questions about their lives. In the process, he discovered who they really were instead of just viewing the world or listening to the music through his own lens and missing out on the deeper meaning in what the artist presented. One thing to note here is that Rishikesh realized that he should not interject with his own experiences. Instead, it was better to listen completely and ask questions as sharing too much would shift the conversation away from the other person and onto himself. Rishikesh seems to have a mindset propelling him towards discovery. And let's get started with your talk on this TED Talk. Peter, I I can see the wheels turning over there.
2: Yeah, I was thinking about some of the things that you were just saying. um, And I want to go back to one of them because I just saw something uh, related to one of the points that you made about interjecting with your own experiences. It's kind of on topic, kind of off topic, but I, I read something related to that point um, that typically people that have um, ADHD they do that without really knowing that they're doing it to just to show empathy, right? That they understand like what you're going through, and it can come off as like, um, oh, well, they're just trying to like share their their story or like make a point about their lives, but mm-hmm. they're actually like they're trying to show you through an example that like they understand how a particular event or story made you feel so I, I thought that that was super interesting recognizing that certain people like inadvertently do that and they they can't always like un, unpack the the layers yeah. because their concentration goes to that specific point and they want to feel that connection so I thought that that was super interesting and never really knew that so um, we could start there
0: that's a perfect example of uh, the different lenses that we all carry, right? Uh, just because, mm-hmm. you know, through the way that we've grown up and the challenges and difficulties that we face, have these different lenses. It can be difficult sometimes to get out of that frame of mind and to see the world in a new way.
2: been noticing that with myself a lot lately as I think about the topic here and the TED Talk and the discussion and the the lens that I'm looking through and how it changes being here at home with Leo and the dogs and my and my doorward stuff and the things that I pay attention to or the things that are able to distract me are totally different from when like I step out of the house right and maybe I'm meeting up with somebody um, and I'm, and I'm by myself I don't have the dogs I don't have Leo or maybe it's just like Danielle and I when I'm switching between those two things those two lenses, Cause those are like the, the largest categories of lenses that I switch between. I don't even realize that it's happening until like we have a moment like this where I'm like forced to think about it. almost, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's super interesting what can grab my attention or what my mind gravitates towards in, in different settings
3: to build off of kind of what Peter was saying and noticing things. And based on like your situation, um, I think that also can tie into like overthinking a lot just thinking too much to, and, and like how much you have to consider mm. uh, just based off of what you have with you at the current time like if you have your dogs with you or if you have you know leo or ding out or someone like that
0: reading the little engine that could thinking about the existential implications of that story <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean there so many
1: he had a uh, he needed a growth mindset
0: yeah, we're going to get into growth mindset actually uh oh. our next episode with uh Justin Sanchez and Patrick Andrews. Oh, perfect. Yeah, the philosophers are coming back.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Then we won't uh try to pick apart Little Engine That Could then.
0: I'll I'll, I'll get Patrick's take on it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't know if he's reading to Vincent Dennis yet, but but I'm sure he will. We'll have to get him a copy. Make him regret everything.
0: Oh no, he's already teaching he's already teaching Vincent Latin.
1: <laughs> Darm Young, these lenses are kind of ever-present, both um, There's a reason we have this expression like the rose-colored glasses because mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. you can't see the rest of the colors of the spectrum. You, you just miss miss everything. Um, in some ways, that's a good thing, but in other ways, you're missing majority of the data that could be contributing to a greater understanding
0: Yeah, the way I like to think of it as is if you're in the jungle and you have a machete and you're just, like, hacking away, Mm -hmm. right, versus taking the time to climb a tree and finding the path forward. Mm. Like, how many times in the movies have you seen somebody with a machete? They're, like, just going crazy, and then they end up hitting, like, a cliff, and they're stuck? Yeah. Right? Right?
1: Or they were like three feet away from safety, but they just miss, miss it because they don't was have it? any perspective.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. I
2: was gonna say is the climbing of the tree. Um, you know, because we're talking about lenses, but like in the in the talk, right? They talk about the like actually like listening mm-hmm. closely, um, which is something that I feel like a, a lot of people suck at. And I think, like, that analogy that you made that, uh, like, climbing up the tree to find the path versus, like, the hackathon with the machete is the big difference between also, like, listening closely and not. Um,
1: yeah, exactly. So a lot
2: of times. And I am sure all of us have encountered this. Like, when you're in a conversation, like a group setting, um, people aren't, uh, they're, like, passively listening because they've thought of a point that they maybe want to make that maybe loosely ties in and so everything beyond that once they've hit that like trigger point they're like oh yeah i want to say this thing then everything beyond that they're not actively listening it's just kind of like in one ear and out the other right
1: Um, you i think your analogy is sweet i I know i'm guilty of that wait what were you saying pete i started thinking about (laughs) (laughs) dan dan was
2: thinking of the point that he wanted to make Yeah, it's I. I think everybody everybody runs into that. It's just it's part of like human nature. But I but I think that there's people that are really good that have worked on it, right? As a skill of like, um, they know how to like kind of curb that because maybe we have the fear that we're not going to have that same thought again, right? And we'll like lose it, and so we want to like lock in on it. But if it's a valid thought, it'll pop back up, and you know the conversation will eventually circle back to that. Yeah, for sure. But we don't take the time to think about that. Based on the, in the in the settings that we're in, for the most part, I'm speaking in generalities here for everyone.
1: Right, and to get back to the TED Talk, I think precisely his, his point um, with regards to the need to keep listening, forget what your thought was that came into your mind. Keep listening, forget what your thought was that came into your mind. Just brush it aside, like just mm-hmm. dodge it. Go back to the bigger picture, make sure you have that bigger picture, uh, the complete, the little details. Um, what are they actually trying to say?
0: And, and delve into what's presented because the conversation's already trending that way. So I'd like to tie this into what we're doing as a startup uh, in the real estate space. How has listening and observing been beneficial to us as we have been building doorward? I know the
2: answer. answer. We have, we, we all have, um, spent numerous hours listening to people in the space talk about, um, and when I say the space, obviously talking about real estate here, talk about the problems that they're facing. And so with all of this listening, it's just been... Like a flood of data points and information, which has really helped point us in the right direction. I like that to be innovative very early on. It's uh, you know I just I, I think of it as ammunition. And it's exactly what it is, and so we've been able to innovate early um, because we've spent this collective time listening to and there and you know maybe they don't even qualify as our customers just yet. I like to think of them think of them that way. Um, others may look, of them, look at them as prospects, but they're giving us valuable information to help develop a solution that actually means something to the real estate industry.
1: It's almost like you're describing, I don't know why you use the word ammunition there, but it almost seems like you're describing the jungle. Yeah. Those bees are going to shoot the bees.
2: No, it was because when he said the machete thing, I oh, immediately yeah, thought go. of that first predator movie you know, back in 87. And so they were in the jungle just tearing shit up.
1: You're using that. It's almost as if you're uh, describing that they are shaping the like raw material or or they are shaping kind of creating guidelines so that you know how to think about the space properly and then you can innovate in it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's enlightening the path versus hacking away with the machete. It's like climbing the tree and enlightening the path mm-hmm. forward.
1: Mm, I don't know if that's really what I was getting at. Um, so let me, let me try to piece that apart. Uh,
2: and were you trying to say that they are helping us get in the correct frame of mind in order to be able to innovate?
1: I guess you could put it that way, but I don't some, somehow it's like yeah. escaping me. The like the, dy- the dynamic that's going on here. It's like, they're giving you the building blocks and the, and, and we still need to like uh, to build with them. And we don't have we don't have the building blocks. And then they're giving it to us uh, precisely through the things that they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know. Maybe like the analogies are compatible here. Um, but like, I guess on, on one hand, um, there's like a something or there's like a nothing. That makes sense.
0: It's generally, how matter works.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, like the, you know, the path, right? You know, mm-hmm. you know where there's nothing, and that you can kind of like go forward there. Uh, so there's like it's like a. There's a <laughs> that's generally how matter works.
2: He's cooking up some visionary flapjacks right now.
1: We'll have to like edit all this out. Um, no, I think we're keeping this.
2: Yeah, he went on a vision. You went on a vision quest mid. Uh, Mid recording, it's all good. I just, you know, it feels like true blue, you know, customer centric product development is what I was getting at to simplify it. And yeah, Dan, I I understand the point that you're trying to make in so many words is that they're not, they can't, they can't tell us how to innovate. That's Mm -hmm. something for us to determine. But what they're giving us is that valuable information to know where we need to direct our innovative efforts, um, because of the, because of the complex nature of what we're trying to build. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, if the, if the customer is telling you that they're thirsty and they want something sweet, well, Doorward's not going to give them, you know, a glass of iced black tea with no sugar, right? We're going to make them the best glass of lemonade that they ever had. And so it helps to have that information so that we don't have to hack through the jungle with a machete and, you know, hope we right. don't fall off of a cliff.
0: And it's like, to be fair, you still need to use the machete. To be fair. <laughs> to be sure. Fair, sure. Right? But mm-hmm. but you know where to direct its use. Right. Dom, I know you're you're pretty much brand new to Doorward, so we can still probably count your hours, um, unlike Dan and Pete over there. But... In your time on the team with us, how has listening and observation been beneficial to you as you go through your regular workday?
3: Um, it's all the terminology you have to learn. You know, there's there's we have a whole document that uh, just dedicated to the terminology and like the scenarios of uh, like what can't like what can happen and kind of what users want. Um, so it's, it's just learning all of that stuff and then putting it together into the final product. That's helping me out, like mm-hmm. help, helping me visualize what we're trying to do here.
0: Yeah. And you have a guide, uh, a tree to climb, so to speak. And Steve, unfortunately he's not able to be with us here today. Uh, what's that like as a resource and, and being able to listen to somebody with the vision or who can point you in the right direction?
3: Yeah, Steve. He's great, you know. I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to gas him up too much here, but you know, he knows what he's talking about. He knows what he's doing, um, and it, it's more than that. It's also somebody like I can bounce ideas off of, and then he'll like actually consider it, you know. Which I definitely appreciate of him because you know the experience difference here is so vast that he could just like brush it off to the side, uh, but it seems like he takes it into consideration. It's like, yeah, we could probably do that and add that.
1: So I, th- I think that's really cool. I love that Pete started with the customer when you asked the question of how does listening impact what we're doing at Doorward. Uh now now Dom's kinda of brought it a little more in-house internal and, and definitely I think that is very much the case mm-hmm. where if we're not listening to each other, we are are severely crippled in our ability to build anything at doorward o- on all fronts. I think whether, whether it's regarding to like, okay, we don't have information because somebody learned something from a customer, but now like, I don't have that building block or, you know, he doesn't have that building block or what have you, okay. or we have to share the information. But then just in, in, in terms of a team effort, how we're able to work together. If we're not actually listening to each other, um, we're gonna have a pretty hard time building anything together. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, <laughs> story of the Tower of Babel, uh, <laughs> for example.
0: Thankfully, we do have procedures in place where we have that, and and on top of that, we have our friendship, uh, where we're able to bring something to somebody's attention, uh, and we have that baseline of and that foundation of, hey, I got to share something, whether it's a success or information or difficulty. It's good to have. Mm -hmm.
2: And I would like to add that I think, um, the, 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 the friendship, the relationship, the trust, all of that trumps the, the procedures to the point that you just made. The procedures can't, can't connect those dots, but the good relationships are what make those procedures worth anything at all. Yep. Relationships first and then, procedures
1: you know at some point procedures
0: (laughs) well yeah because those those relationships really are the foundation like pete uh my visit to cleveland that we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks here the conversations that we've had over the last couple of days uh really get everybody on sync on the same page and that's just heart to heart and the procedures flow out of that exactly All right, so changing gears a little bit here, I have another nature analogy for us Uh from our good friend André Gide. Yes, good old Gide once again. Uh, He said, one doesn't discover new lands without consenting to lose sight of the shore a very long time. How do we continue to believe we will reach the shore or, or in this case, how do we continue to prioritize discovery when the outlook appears bleak or we really have no idea what is going to be waiting for us on the other side?
1: Seems like it is precisely in the fact that you have lost sight of the shore that you came from or the, you know, the security or safety of the shore behind you that prepares you to actually be be looking for that shore. What drives the motivation so strongly besides the fact that, you know, <laughs> Hey, we have to find shore here. Cause <laughs> we're, <laughs> in the middle, we're in the middle of the ocean.
0: Pete's looking serious with his scuba goggle. I just, uh, uh, I want to acknowledge all of our
2: listeners and just and Malta right now that heard you read that quote and they're just punching the air. Cause they're like, you can see both shores from the middle of, neither here nor there
0: we do have some actually (laughs) yeah Uh, just take a look at the stats we have listeners from all over the place there we go Uh, about 40 different states probably about 20-25 countries wow Yeah. that's awesome good stuff
2: yeah I think that yeah it speaks to the the risk right of being in the discovery mindset Um, the ability of being out in the open and not, you know, and sometimes we need to be there in, in order to, well, I don't want to jump ahead, but get into that growth mindset. The discovery mindset comes first, right? And you got to allow yourself to be sometimes vulnerable, mm. not be able to see the shore here, just out in the middle of the ocean. You don't know which way is up. And that's part of the leap of faith. That's part of the risk and getting into discovery mode, discovery mindset. I
1: was going to ask so, is there is there some assumption that there is? a shore on the other side. Is that part of the discovery m- mindset or are you just totally open to wonder what is there? Is there a shore? Is there something else? Does the ocean just end?
2: I think you hope there's a, I think when you embark on that journey you hope there's a shore, you don't know if it's going to be like, you know, a great perfect sandy beach or a rocky shore, or you know, uh, you know, a cliff right? Or the rate and the waves mm-hmm. are just crashing up on the rocks and there's nowhere to go. You, you hope that there's some form of a shore certainly. Um, but you just, you don't know what, what it's going to look like, but you, you, I, I guess you have to be in a mindset of that you would be okay with whatever appears, um, on mm-hmm. the horizon at that point as you make your journey towards that unknown hope, and hope and search of another shore.
0: I think that there can be people who take that voyage just to see. I think there can be people that take that voyage who want to prove that there isn't a shore. Yeah. Um, but...
2: Talking about flat earthers?
0: In this context, sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but, uh, but regardless of one's intent and what they're searching for, There's a willingness to go. Uh, I I could say there is no shore and say, well, it's stupid to go. Yeah. Uh, And then I'm just keeping inside my rose-colored glasses. Right, right. But if I am going to go for whatever reason, it's because there is a search for the truth.
1: Fascinating. Actually, just read... Recently, the story of Ernest Shackleton in terms of how he was recruiting men for that journey to cross the Arctic. And he posts an ad to, I guess, people of Europe or the UK and is basically like, you know, dangerous voyage, return, like chances are slim, (laughs) like (laughs) um, you're going to probably starve, and get hurt and it's going to be rough. And they had like I don't know 20 spots and like thousands of people applied because there was a certain glory in that, the voyage of the unknown. And what you were saying, Pete, you know made me think of that that, uh, that that's part of what makes the discovery so exciting and appealing, that you know you, you don't know what it is that you're going to find. That's that's the exciting thing.
0: One of the ways that I have discovered to get through those rough patches is in the process of something called reframing. Mm. My buddy Justin, who's going to be on with us in a little bit, talks about this program called Optimal Work. And one of the premises of Optimal Work, doing your work to the best of your ability, is to take challenges and switch from a mindset that could be anxious to a mindset where you are moving forward and have a purpose, a direction. Uh, And that's through reframing, uh, where we take a challenge and see the opportunity in it Mm -hmm. to grow. It might not be perfect, but just to take the next step on that journey. And so when I'm finding that I can't see the shore, I found that it's been extremely helpful to take stock of where I am and reframe that challenge, the immediate circumstances that I'm finding myself in to be okay, I'm still gonna go this direction. I think there is a shore on that other side mm-hmm. And it just keeps me going step after step.
1: Yeah, I think so often in our startup journey, there are so many unknowns. it often feels like there's no shore. Certainly people have made the made the jump from one shore that was behind them in in search of you know that other shore. And that's a beautiful thing. What you're describing with the reframing process, um, certainly I think it's something that has to occur on on a very regular basis in the startup life, given the fact that (laughs) there's no shores. And like, are we drowning or are we not drowning? We have to kind of figure that out. Um, Where do you draw the line between that discovery mindset and the growth mindset?
0: So... In, in my reading of uh, Dr. Carol Dweck's book, um, called Mindset, by the way, she talks about growth mindset as somebody who already has a challenge that they're facing. Uh, the famous example that she uses is fifth graders being given puzzles yeah. that were too hard for them and seeing the student's reaction. Mm. Uh, students with a growth mindset said that, oh, like... I'm so happy that this is informative or I'd love to do this. Hmm. Uh, even though they were failing at the puzzle because it was too difficult. It was at a higher grade level. Yeah, uh, Where students with a fixed mindset mm-hmm. said that they preferred easier puzzles. Hmm. Even given the option to take the puzzle home to practice, uh, they s- said, like, no, I'm okay. Uh, some even lied and said, I have a puzzle similar to this at home. Um, so it's growth being tackling of, a problem head-on, and fixed being kind of staying away from it. Whereas discovery mindset is kind of all of the attitudes and, and all of the conditions that lead to you going out, even when there's not a challenge. Yeah. Just to see what's out there.
1: Or to look for a
0: challenge. Yes, exactly.
1: Yeah, I mm-hmm. see. Yeah, that very much resonates. And I think to some extent, like, The idea of a startup is precisely that you're like, okay, let's, let's go. Let's, let's see. Let's go for the adventure. Let's go for the adventure indeed.
0: Before I sign off today, uh, we've got some fan mail I'd like to share with everybody. So I I received this on LinkedIn a little while back. Hey Nate, I'm a new fan and I just had to say this. I recently listened to the Doorward Thinking episode 14, Coming Together, and I loved how it validated my feelings about having a standard for a friend. In the episode, it said that friendship is solely defined by those who show up in it. That totally resonated with me. I know that episode was a few months ago, but it still made me become your subscriber on Apple Podcasts. I just want you to know that I appreciate what you shared, and I totally support your channel. Cheering you on, Maddie. Nice. Thank you very much, Maddie. Shout out to you. It's really great to hear that uh, people are enjoying what we do, and we're looking forward to continue.
2: Yeah, great to have those kind words come in from you, Maddie. Um, We take this pretty seriously, even though sometimes we joke around, so it's great to know that we're a positive force in people's lives. Right on.
0: Yeah, and we really do love getting feedback from you folks whether it's praise or suggestions because it helps guide us towards discovering the right direction for our show wow if you enjoy conversations like these please like, subscribe, and share the show to make sure everyone can discover and grow with us more information about Doorward can be found online at doorward.com. if you're ready to grow and harness the power of your real estate network download the Doorward app from the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store today and be sure to follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you do have a comment, would like to appear on Doorward Thinking as a guest, or have an idea for an episode, shoot us an email at podcast I'll be sure to reach out and we'll continue the conversation. Till next time, I'm your host, Nate LeBlanc, reminding you just to go and see what's out there and to get back to living.